Hello, this is the Layovers Podcast, episode... What the hell am I doing? <laughs> wow, that takes me back. And the sound, and the sound, man, was horrific. I listened back to that episode, and the sound was horrific. So hold on, let me cue that again. Layovers, your weekly dose of aviation innovation. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard from the flight deck. This is Paul Pabedimitriou. This is Alex Hunter. Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 100 or 100 to London. Did you ever think that we were going to get here? No, not a single second. Neither did I. <laughs> I. I did the same thing as you. After you told me that you'd listened to episode one, I went back and did it too. And it sounded like we had recorded it in a leisure center swimming pool changing room. <laughs> like the quality of the audio is, I don't like, we had to work hard to make it that bad. And I think, that, <laughs> you know, in how long has it taken? Four years, at least four years. Oh yeah, it's almost four and a half years, I think. January 28, 2015. So yeah, almost, there you go. Almost five years. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, now we say we release the podcast every two weeks. And if we kind of, apply that uh, scheduling retroactively, then we're pretty much bang on. <laughs> <laughs> and look, Star Wars will only have nine episodes and we have a hundred. So we're beating well, them, you know, exactly. yeah, we have better production values and better special effects as well, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm saying that because we're recording today, guys, on the 22nd of October 2019. And a new trailer just dropped like six hours ago. It's a morning here in London. So you don't have to wait like 40 years to get your hundred episodes. Exactly. The two weeks thing, however, Alex, it's really like in complete disarray in the past yeah, three months. Yeah, <laughs> it really has been. It's a total anticlimactic episode, guys, because we had so many ideas about what we could and what we should do for episode 100. It's just that it felt exactly in our busiest, honestly, our busiest time in 2019 for the both of us. I am traveling like mad. Alex is traveling like mad. We have so much work. So nothing special for this episode besides that little fun and the intro. I'm just going to still go back and talk about the stories we mentioned in episode one, just because it's fun and because we called so many things. We, we had a crystal ball, right? We, yeah. We, we, we foresaw the future of aviation. <laughs> I think if you, if you say an opinion loud enough over and over and over again, then eventually something will become true. I mean, Fox News <laughs> have built an entire empire on that premise. So <laughs> I'm not suggesting for a second we're anything like that. Got it far from it. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. One or two things we kind of nailed. And I'm sure that there's a disproportionate amount of things that we made fools of ourselves about. We'll talk about the good things instead. <laughs> exactly. So that was released on January 28th. You know, first episode was obviously going to Heathrow. This is why, by the way, this episode is a bit of a cop out is London. So we're covering. So, okay, maybe let's start with that. LON, London. For you, how many airports does that actually cover? <laughs> well, let's see. Heathrow, Gatwick, London yeah. City, at yeah. the very least, those are the fair yeah. ones. And then you start to get into things like, 
Well, of course, Luton snatched it. it. That's fair. Okay. But I mean, honestly, I looked at Luton the other day and I was like, God, it really is far away. And then you get into things like, don't they call it London South End? Yeah, London South End, which is on the coast almost. Yeah, like it's, it's up in Essex. It's uh, <laughs> northern Essex, I think. And then also like, I think they call it London Oxford Airport or Oxford yeah. London. And then there's like <laughs> down here, Lyd Airport, I think tried to call itself London Ashford Airport, and that would take nearly two hours to get there. So is it, with that IOTA code, L-O-N, what does it actually cover? To be frank, I'm not sure. I know that when you do actual research on booking sites, it will give you the ones you mentioned, which are the core ones. Let's put the Heathrow, Gatwick, Sunset, Luton, and City. I rarely see Southern Compass in there. Uh, Bigging Hill is a private, so it's not there. So probably let's pretend these five ones, right? So so we're going to not, I mean, we've been talking about London since the start. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do like a whole dive down into these airports at the end. So the other thing we said in the, this first episode, like almost five years ago now, is said we're going to do it weekly. <laughs> and the episodes will last between 25 and 30 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we kind of failed there. For better yeah, totally. or worse. <laughs> but I think we have, as we said many times, we have found our, our sweet spot. Our first story was about IAG was about to buy Aer Lingus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that Ryanair wanted it, and they didn't get it. They might have wanted the Heathrow slots. But five years down the line, as we said, I think in a very recent episode, they're still not part of One World, which tells you how slow sometimes this industry is. I still have no idea why Aer Lingus is not. Did you get any miles from your trip? that you've done recently you use Aer Lingus you know when you pass by Dublin that's Did you a get good any... question I actually don't know I should go back and look because <laughs> I was just thinking it's not part of one world the tier point accrual and the tier point redemption is really murky as well as the the stuff with the mileage as well and then our biggest story, which was, you know, you remember, guys, we had, I mean, I hope you don't remember, we had actually even like, you know, chapters in our episodes. And when I'm saying chapters, I'm not talking about the chapters that you can press on in your apps that came much later, but actual chapters, we first had the news, then we were talking about tech, then we were talking about branding. That, that we, we, we massively over-engineered it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. So the first news, we were talking about the 380 Neo, and this is where we wow. called it. We called it because in that piece of news, you said, we might soon see a lot of 380s in graveyards. And I said, this plane has maybe 15 years of lifetime, which means now 10. And actually, you know, it's pretty accurate because yeah. they are 380s in graveyards. And 10 years from now, we might be seeing the last Emirates ones. Yeah, it's... it's uh... I don't know on what we were basing that hypothesis or prediction, but it was weirdly prescient. And sadly prescient. We were already saying that this was an ugly plane, but that we liked how we felt by flying it. Yeah. The other thing that really made me giggle is that back then, I think you had flown maybe Emirates very, very few times or maybe none. If I don't at remember. all. Yeah, if at all. Whereas I had flown them a lot, but I hadn't flown Cathay at all, for instance. <laughs> there were like so many of the airlines that we were talking that one of us hadn't flown, but the other had. And now obviously we basically have almost flown everything. I don't know if we should be proud or not about that. Uh, <laughs> 
there was this other story about American, which I hadn't flown back then, actually. And it was a quote from the CEO. We are not asking our customers to be happy with anything. Has that changed? Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> Again, I think there's this huge disconnect between nah. domestic international. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. There seems to be some rumblings afoot at that airline. We'll perhaps get into that a little bit later. But Yeah, we'll talk about time. AA a little bit. So, Malaysian is still flying. We're already talking about was it DN or not, but it's still around. Yep. And Cafe, that, that's a fun one because, of course, Cafe is probably your favorite airline, Alex. Uh, you have at least a very strong sweet spot for it, obviously. Yeah. Like you say, in the first episode, probably all your family has been employed at the Cafe in, at one point in our lives. That's very true. <laughs> you were so excited about a new livery and a new branding that I was about to come out. And if you fast forward a little bit, you were not that happy about the new branding. You say it's, it's cool, but the fact that they removed the red for you was a little bit uh, meh. Yeah, I've definitely warmed to it. I think perhaps I'd built up a, a revolutionary new livery and really what they'd done and completely sensibly was, as we discussed, I think further down the road was much more evolutionary. And I, I like it. I love it now. I think it looks fantastic. And their overall brand ethos, brand design ethos at the airline is very, very good. Yeah. You were also mentioning the livery and the brand of Eurowing, saying that Lufthansa doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, they still cannot don't, actually. No, they <laughs> so, don't. I don't I, at any level, they still haven't figured that out. <laughs> and we had that thing where we were talking about the app of the week, one of the other features of the show that we kind of gave up completely on because now we're just geeking out on airline stories. But the first ever was Plane Finder, and five years later, we still love it. By the way, guys, if you're using Apple on iOS 13, so the latest version, the latest Plane Finder is really well done. It's yeah, probably it's the best now. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, I yeah. love that the you tap a plane, you can see its entire route in isolation. Just just little things. They've done yeah. a really good job with it. Yeah, they paid a lot of attention to details. And <laughs> where it's really funny is, I mentioned in that episode 001 that I was so excited that I was tracking the only Airbus 350 that was in the air. <laughs> they are more than 300 now. <laughs> That's a cool airplane. Yeah, more than 300. I don't remember which one was the first. Was it Qatar, probably? Qatar, I think they were the launch customer, yeah. I think they were the launch customer, yeah. And uh, the last story I'll mention, it was actually a very brief episode. Uh, there was no intro music and nothing. Uh, the last story was we were talking about the biggest airports, arguing what is the biggest airports, depending if it's the number of passengers, the footprint. And, and you mentioned in one single sentence, both our nemesis airports, you mentioned both Charles de Gaulle and Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. You were prescient again, uh, Alex. You you mentioned the two airports that we would uh, criticize for the entire duration of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't been through Frankfurt in a very, very long time. I'm not actively avoiding it. I just, the winds haven't taken me that way. But I, I know that if I do, it's just going to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it in... Actually, in three, two, two weeks, actually early November. But it should be an easy one because I'm landing with the same aircraft, which I'm departing with two hours later. So hopefully, if they mess that one up, if Frankfurt is able to mess a layover with the same airplane, we should be at the same gate with the same airline. It means that Frankfurt is really the worst airport in the world. I hope you guys, you don't mess that one up. That should be an easy one, right? Yeah, yeah just... that should be a slam dunk. But you know what? They'll find a way. They'll find a way. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I'm sure they're going to pass me through security now that I'm thinking about it, man. Oh, my God. I think anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. 
<laughs> uh, since I was just talking about the, the 350, it's kind of sad. I said there's more than 300 in the air, but actually parts of these are not because Etihad is actually retiming the entry into service into five of their 350s. So they receive them and they're going to park them right away, which uh, it's a bit sad. I mean, I know we know they have a lot of issues. They've survived for five years. I mean, at least there's that. I yeah. mean, that, that was one part of the saga. They were investing in all these other airlines and now they are like kind of, I don't know, they keep saying they will have a new strategy. We don't know what that is. Actually, the only strategy I see is that they keep offering me great deals through their newsletter. But yeah, well, I, I still hope that they are surviving this. Will they ever merge with Emirates? We're still up in the air. Maybe if we call it now in five years, we might be proven right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, they keep saying no in the most, uh, you know, aggressive, loud way, which makes me think they're actively working on it. and Qatar which was the uh, launch customer for the 350 I'm starting to wonder if they're not going a bit Etihad much because they're considering investing in TAG Angola you know T-A-A-G just looking at the face of Alex he just did now he agrees with me I mean is that a good idea? Well, Emirates used to run it, but on contract. That's when how my father ended up working at TAG for a while with a sort of A team of airline turnaround specialists that were hired by Emirates to go in and fix it. And then Emirates, I think it was ended mutually. I don't know the details, but I'm sure everything that was told to me is off the record. But I think it would be quite a challenge for anybody that goes in there and tries to turn that airline around or change its ways because it's at a endemic level at the the national level, not just at the airline, what happens yeah. there. So frankly, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but you know what, <laughs> if they think that they've got the wherewithal to do it, then more power to them. What's the capital of Angola again? Um, oh man, I have it in just in the. Yeah, in, me too. In the, okay, we'll we'll find out in five years. Uh, anyway, uh, Luanda. <laughs> Luanda. I kept Luanda. thinking Rwanda. Luanda. <laughs> there we go. So it is the most expensive city for expats in the world. Yep. There is a case of flying there, which other airlines, especially the Middle Easterns, are doing, which is probably why people keep looking at TIG. I just think they just should wipe this airline out and start over because if you just guys just Google Tag Airlines reviews online and you'll understand how dire that airline is. Was it Ben Schlappig who did it? I think so. Somebody like time. that wrote a hilarious <laughs> and I don't think he was trying to be funny. No, review of a, of a premium experience there. So as Paul said, Google it and read it. And it's, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so since the start of the year, we went quite crazy, crazy in terms of the number of flights we've taken. I don't want to think about the number of miles nor the number of flights we've taken a lot. We're not great for our carbon footprint. The one thing that actually we succeeded quite well at doing is over a hundred episodes, we didn't do a lot of repeats. Of course, this is London, so it's kind of the third time we do London. We only did Geneva twice, and the second time was because we were interviewing Tony Tyler in Geneva. And we did, for some reason, we did Incheon twice as well. We were able to basically have a different airport for 100 episodes otherwise, and we still have like a lot. So it's, it's proving that we are traveling in weird places. <laughs> yeah, I think we were lucky because we had exhausted the back catalog of places we'd already been to right at the time when we started venturing out to new and exciting <laughs> new destinations that we could talk about too. So I think we were lucky in that regard. And Berlin is still not here. 
Berlin. It will, okay, here's a prediction <laughs> for five years from now. It still won't be. It still won't be. <laughs> you know what? When I was uh, the flight, I think I mentioned the last episode, when I was waiting in uh, the business lounge in Qatar and Doha for the flight that was rebooked to London, there was oh, this yeah. woman who was sitting next to me. She was Austrian. And I, I don't know how the conversation started. I think she asked me something about coffee or whatever. But anyway, she was working with IT. She travels all around the world, more than you and me combined, Alex. Wow. She, was, uh, she was flying from Kerala back to Berlin, I think. And when she mentioned Berlin, I was like, oh, so what about the new Brandenburg Airport? And she started laughing. And then I said, well, we both are saying and said many times that, oh, you know what? Berlin is a bit of a odd one out because, you know, us, we think Germany as being, you know, everything is on time and these kind of big projects should be there. And then she started like, no, 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 no. She said, uh, there's a philanthropic hall somewhere in Germany that is not delivered on time. There's this other thing, which is a massive train station. I forgot which city she was naming, but it's also not delivered on time. She says, Berlin isn't alone. We screwed up a lot in Germany. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, apparently we only know about the airport, but that, that happened. And she loves, she loves Tegel. She hates Schoenfeld, but she loves Tegel. That's I don't know if I, I don't know if I can say that I love Tegel. Probably it's easy because it's small and quick. But also I think if you have something as bad as Schoenfeld and then you've got the other not awful airport, you can say, I love it. <laughs> when compared to the other one. <laughs> so which one is your favorite uh, airport uh, here in London then, out of the five? Let's put it five. Let's not put the, the, the weird ones that try to co-opt the name. I would say London City still. Yeah. That's definitely going through some growing pains. They've expanded it. They're still expanding it despite Boris's objections. I still love it. I have a massive soft spot for Gatwick. I think it's the little airport that could... But it's just, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. It's so crowded. I mean, not just from people. It's, it's, it's a busy airport, but there's just yeah. no room to expand. And so you just feel like you're on, on top of each other. Heathrow is what it is. There are some wonderful, wonderful parts of it and some truly awful parts of it. Yeah, I can't wait for Heathrow to revamp. Well, there you go. Be... There you go. In five years, are we going to have a third runway? No. No. No, no. And they, none of the things that they've announced have, as, you know, the new terminals will have even... Look, Terminal 1, for those who are not in London, was closed, what, three years ago? Yeah, when was I that? Mean, we certainly talked about it on the show, so it's within yeah. the last three, three or four years. Exactly. And it's still standing there. I think they haven't even raised it, right? Yeah. To start making room for the extension of Terminal 2, which is supposed to take over. So I was about to say that my hope is Terminal 3 to be torn down and start over because this is really feeling its age. It's now the oldest terminal at Heathrow. But I mean, I'd rather than keeping open that actually closing it and just keeping it there laying around. They could have honestly kept Terminal 1 yeah. open for a little what longer. What are they going to do when they close Terminal 3 anyway? Where, where are all those flights and people going to go? That's what I want to know. I'm guessing that's why they want to first, if I understand correctly, open the stuff around that new runway. There will be a, like a satellite terminal and then open Terminal 6. They call it 5X. Because then when all this is there, they can actually balance the, the people yeah. with that. But I can, I mean... We're talking I, I, decades at this rate. Yeah. It's not about our podcast here. It's about our lifetimes. I don't think we'll be alive yeah. to see any of this. So I just mentioned Qatar, and I forgot to say something in the previous episode, again, about my Qatar experience. I told you guys it was my best one, but the really 
funny and quirky bit, which I hadn't realized until that flight for some reason. You know, the leaflet, you know, the security leaflet that you have on every seat. When you're in the Q-suite, you have the usual leaflet, and then you have a separate one, which is a safety leaflet only for the door. And it tells you what to do in case there's an emergency. And of course, my first thought was, can I use the door as a surfboard? <laughs> because That's a perfectly good question. Of course, you can remove it. So I'm like, yeah, there's like lots of waves. Maybe I can actually use it as a floating and surfing device. Anyway, um, I've flown. That will be for a forthcoming episode. I've flown the 350BA, the new yeah. club suite. They have a door. It's not Qatar, but there's some interesting things. But maybe by the time we record our next episode, which is also up in the air as to when, maybe by then Alex will have actually flown it because now they've just introduced a 777 with a retrofit with that Club World, uh, what's the name, Club Suite, Suite yeah. uh, to New York from London. So if you guys want to try that, there's another way to do, besides Toronto and me, it was Madrid. This was the test of flight. And I think um, Dubai as well, they've oh. started flying. Yeah, because I was going to go to Dubai earlier this month and it was a possibility. Oh, oh wow. So... You'll have a chance. You go to the US all the time, so probably you'll have a chance. New episode 100, new hosting as well. God, there's a new hosting in place for the past week now. It should have been seamless. Everything should be working fine. If you have any trouble, just reach out to us. Uh, if you have any trouble downloading your episode, I made some change in the background. I just want to mention it. It shouldn't change anything for you, but I not able to test every single app that exists out there. Maybe there's some issues somewhere. So if there is, please do let us know. Yeah, especially on the official Apple apps, because I know that with the iTunes deintegration or whatever they want to call it, it's caused a lot of issues with distribution of, of podcast episodes. We ran into it with Mastication Nation recently. Oh, yeah. You have a new episode out, by the we way. We do. Yeah. We finally got all the way through to <laughs> ZZ. So, and that, yeah, again, we discovered that because of that change in the iTunes architecture, that there are some distribution issues if you use a third party like SoundCloud or something like that to actually host. Okay. So, guys, he called it. So, if you have any issues, just reach out to us and I'll take a look at the back end. It shouldn't change anything, but it should allow us in the future to do a little bit of more fun things. This is why I've upgraded to a newer host. The one thing that is good is uh, we still get along, Alex and I, <laughs> after uh, <laughs> all these years of doing this podcast. And Alex hasn't, because he could have, reincarnated into that uh, catering truck at ORD, which went completely nuts, crazy, and I didn't have to stop him with another. That, that video is, is... That's like nothing I've ever seen before so it's a ramp catering truck that just seems to going to have a life of its own and go completely insane yeah it's, it just uh, started there wasn't anybody on it and it just <laughs> it's just started spinning screwing and spinning yeah. <laughs> it's just that video is the best thing that ever came out of you know on an airport in the past 50 years probably i just every time you look at a video you see another detail you see the guy hiding behind a plane and you see that hero is he she or he was trying to avoid it to actually then get into what is he using the tow truck to to so, lock it yeah either a tug or 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 a, a baggage loader and he just a you know it no action director could have crafted a more beautiful and perfect scene because out of the the side of the shot comes this vehicle that just rams into it, knocks it on its side and stops it. It was the hero we needed. <laughs> Fantastic video. So 
the one thing as well that would make this show impossible is having all of you guys. So I'm going to go now for like a few minutes, more than a few minutes of like feedbacks and reviews, stuff that we were not able to say in the last few episodes. Because again, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in every <clears throat> uh, three weeks, four weeks now. I don't know. <laughs> and especially also for writing us and giving us tips and feedback and appreciation words and just saying hi. It's really, I mean, honestly, we really enjoy this is the reason we're still doing it because honestly Alex and I do not get along anymore we're just pretending for the microphone yeah this is purely <laughs> professional <laughs> you know like these bands that have been together for years and they just become millionaires and they just do it because of the money yeah we're doing it for the money by the way guys which is the other thing that I want to address before I go into these feedbacks and reviews we are doing this as a hobby as you know guys and I know that a lot of you have come out and said oh why don't you you know get sponsorship or patreons or you know all these things to get some money it's not about the money we love doing it as we love our jobs as well that we have so it's we're not going to become like professional layovers uh, yeah because then when we don't do one every two weeks yeah uh, we have to do refunds (laughs) i don't even know yeah and also it allows us to say whatever we want i was approached by one kind of network to put this on but that would have implied maybe toning some of the stuff down we're not actually very harsh we said in the first ever episode we're not here to bash airlines and i don't think we ever really bash airlines we criticize them when it's worth criticizing them but we don't want to stop doing that we don't want to have this uh oh there's a sponsor here so we cannot say we can't talk about them yeah yeah i've run into that with some of my other ventures and i don't (laughs) like the way it makes me feel so i'm glad that we have our total editorial freedom here exactly and i think it's one of the reason we have a success and the success is basically you guys actually listen to us because the numbers keep increasing so really thank you so much which means and i've said it and we've said it so many times we cannot catch every single one of you or feedback when you send it to us so really especially when we're traveling sometimes we miss stuff so really sorry do not take it personally if we don't mention you or if we don't reply to you even. It's sometimes that we're just too busy to actually do so. So first I want to, because we were in Stockholm in the last episode, ARN, I want to give a shout out to, and I don't know how to pronounce your name, so Isak Tje, so I-S-A-K-T-J-E, there you go, on Instagram, who on August 2018, so that's a year and a half ago, had sent me an Instagram a direct message when I was in, in Stockholm waiting for a flight. I think it was flying Etihad to uh, Melbourne and said that he was a podcast fan. I think he's a he podcast fan and a Stockholmer and wanted uh, to have a Stockholm episode. There you go. Uh, you had your Stockholm episode. I forgot yeah. to mention you in the previous <laughs> episode, but you see, I, I'm trying to keep all these little things that you guys tell me and re-time them when the episode is out. We had a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for everyone who's been doing that since the start. We've got a lot of them. GI and RDU from the US. Welcome back, Paul and Alex. Sounds like you both had a fantastic summer. Yes, we did. I discovered your show two years ago and I've been a huge fan of it. I listened to all the episodes since. I don't know how you guys do it. There's a lot of you who go back and you discover the episode and then go back and listen to the entire back catalog. (laughs) And for that, I commend you. And he, I think, is a, he has a very uh, interesting travel pattern. He does RDU, so RDU is Raleigh, right? Yep, Raleigh-Durham. Yes. To Tokyo at least every month, 
plus more travels to other East Asia oh. destinations such as Taipei, Shanghai, Beijing. And he wishes he could travel to Europe more often as he would be more shorter trips. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, long trips at the same time or it can be fun. Rally to Tokyo, uh, that's a long way. Is that a direct? American might do it on the old Northwest route. Maybe. I mean, not Northwest, US. Well, no, so if it's US Air, then it wouldn't be. I don't know. I don't know. Don't I doubt know. it. I doubt it. Have you ever been to Raleigh Durham Airport? Yes. No, I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, there, there's one that uh, on my list now that I know that you've been there. Our show is often what I listen to on these long plane rides. So, yeah, we need to, to ramp up our recordings because you will run out of episodes to listen. Uh, we have a, we had a five-star uh, on Facebook as well from Martin Hammer. Just an overall very informative aviation podcast with two hosts who really know their stuff. Do we? I think we like <laughs> to th pretend that we do. <laughs> we have opinions. <laughs> on the internet no one knows you're a dog um, uh, <laughs> Anita I need to mention her because she's always very kind to, to us I know I've mentioned her I think two or three episodes in a row but I mean it's worth it I won't be telling you anything you don't know when I say I appreciate you so much Thank you for being my absolute favorite podcast. My oh. kids and husband got a hoot out of your shout out in episode 99. And I get a kick out of sharing our travels, learning from you guys. I hope to run into you sometimes in person. I'll send more in Air Food Adventures in November. Be safe. Please. Yeah. And thank, thank you, Anita, really. And she sent us actually a picture of, of her family. Uh, so yeah, thank you. This is the kind of listener we love having. And we... All of you, by the way, we hope to, you know, bump into you at some point in yeah. an airport, in a lounge. Especially if you randomly. ever see us in an airport or out and about, come say hi. We've had a yeah. couple of people who said, oh, I thought I saw you in an airport, but I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, God, please. Yeah, say please. Say hi, Luke. Please do it. I'm uh, usually I'm a tall guy with a cap. I'm kind of easy to spot in, <laughs> in I'm an average white guy, so I'm completely indistinct from anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> You never know, maybe people went to another person and say, are you Alex? And I'm not. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we also had, and that's also what we love, we also had, of course, people that do not agree with us. And this is one, and I, <laughs> you will love Alex. He's called, he's a he, I'm pretty sure, Sully in Madrid on Instagram. And of course, <laughs> he's talking about Madrid. And uh, we both said that we preferred Heathrow over Madrid if we had to choose to do a layover. And counters by saying, I'm sorry, but the T5 transfer experience is only okay if you can use the E-gates and transfer land side. The security lines are absolutely awful when the North American flights arrive and destroy yep. the whole thing. Madrid is far easier, just involves a bit more walking, <clears throat> but that's not so bad after a long-haul flight. Maybe I'm defending my own airport too much, but Madrid T4 is really quite nice. Yeah, he's not wrong. No, he's, he's not. not he's, I mean, all of the Man. criticisms of Heathrow are completely valid. Yeah, let's be honest. T4 Madrid is okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, this is reserved for Frankfurt and Paris probably. But it's just that sometimes it feels, especially because you have to go through satellite for us because we live in the UK. So that's non-Schengen and international flight. It feels that it's a bit long. I went there with the 350 on the, this club suite thing like three weeks ago. And it worked quite all right. It's just that sometimes you feel very long and there's some quirks, the design. I was going to say the design and the signage. Yeah. The signage is, yeah, not even, you know, I'm sometimes like, where is, where's the exit here? You know, I'm not yeah. entirely sure. But it's okay. You're right, Sully in Madrid. You also couldn't imagine 
awful it must have been to see your son being sick the story you 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 mentioned yeah a lot and of people have reached out to say that thank you he's so glad that everything turned out fine and if either of us happened to be in madrid and i was i'm sorry sully i had no time to i call you sully because that's your instagram name but next time we're in madrid if you love fast food and we do is open a fast food burger place called sully's burgers cool. uh so we definitely have to check it out so definitely. sully will come to we'll, we'll definitely come and check your burgers out i'm sure they're very good can't wait we also have like people telling us about their stories before we started recording michael henderson on facebook did that early congrats for your upcoming centenary thank you so much michael you guys are super informative and i always look forward to the next episode my aviation claim to fame was flying concord back wow. in 1993 when my old man was an international businessman, although these days I'm more prone to flying low-cost carriers. <laughs> <laughs> if you're around OOL Airport at any stage, I'd love to buy you guys a beer. We're always up for a beer. That's very kind. Uh, OOL is what? Gold Coast, yeah. um, Australia. There's a chance I might be close to you, Brisbane, but not Gold Coast Airport. That's an airport I've never Me neither. Been to. I've never been to Australia. So. Double OOL. I kind of like the code here. Yeah. But I don't know why it's OOL is Gold Coast Airport. I must be a story. It's the Aboriginal name of, oh. the, of the city or something or a reference. Is it Oolong? No, it's something like that. Oh, I okay. may be way off, but I have a thing. That's what my memory says. But, but flying Concord with your dad. Holy cow. That yeah. Must have been. I can't even imagine. You've never flown the Concord no, yourself. Nope. Your father has. No, he hasn't. Oh, my God. I don't think so. Anyway, I'm pretty, pretty sure he hasn't. Oh, talking about that. I know it's not exactly related to feedback, but you mentioned to me after the end of the recording of the last episode that we mentioned that Greg gave you this super, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons for AV geeks. <laughs> and you Perfect asked description. me, remind me to talk about the gift that your brother Will gave you. Yes. Tell us. Yes. He gave me a set of cufflinks, which, you know, that's nice for a 40th birthday present. But the cufflinks were made from one of the overhead panel parts of a retired United Airlines 747. No way. So it was one of the circuit breakers. Well, two, obviously, for a pair of cufflinks of the, of, from the overhead panel that they had removed and taken from the overhead panel and turned into, into cufflinks. And it, they, it has like all of the, the screen printing labels still on it. So you knew what it did. And it came with like this certificate to show what it was, where it was on the overhead panel, a picture of the plane that it had come from, the registration of the plane. It was such a creative and wonderful gift. And uh, so thank you very much to my youngest brother, Will. That's that. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, this is awesome. You, you, Alex, did we mention that in an episode? I don't remember. But you, Alex, when I turned 40, which is a long time ago, <clears throat> you offered me actually a plate, which was one of the service plate that was in the BA Concord back in the day with, you know, the letter of authenticity. And I keep that. It's actually right there on my on my desk. So thank you so much. Oh, no, that was fun to try and find. Yeah, yeah, you must have. I was like, wow, you know, this is too fantastic. So back to the feedbacks. Hans Chicago, he has always been very uh, active to, to talk to us. I don't know how you do it. You seem to be flying always in first class. He, he sent a pic of, of listening to a podcast in a Lufthansa first class from Germany. I've done it once. I'm so jealous. You, you must have a very good um, miles game, Han, because you always have the best freaking first class seats that I struggle to, to get. Although I'll have a very baller 
I think that would be my most baller flights coming up. Uh, well, I'll do a lot of first class. I'll tell you that for a forthcoming episode. Uh, Irish travel guy on Instagram who said, the past two months have been painful without having an episode to listen to. Oh, <laughs> Hashtag Joello, who lives I know in Australia, was it Perth? I cannot remember, man, but probably was it Perth. We reached out to me yeah, when Perth. I was actually in Australia a year ago, was broadcasting to all these fellow aviation geeks that our podcast is the best podcast in the field. Thank you so much. People yeah, like that. You're very guy. Follow him on Instagram. His food stuff is on point. And thank you for all of you guys that keep, you know, mentioning us to your friends. And it's probably where we're growing because we don't do any kind of advertising. There's no ads, nothing. So it's really purely you guys actually helping us. Alexandra, also been a longtime fan. And she's, <laughs> I love it. She's been running a marathon listening to us. And oh my she, God, uh, double pain. <laughs> and I had promised her that she would have two episodes released by the time she had a marathon. And I, I obviously missed the second one. She probably had to listen to one episode on repeat, which is a lot of pain <laughs> as well. <laughs> he must be struggling to listen to Alex and Paul for 42 kilometers. Johannes underscore PP on Instagram. I love this one. So he was mentioning the fact that we were talking, I was talking about the very long taxi times at Istanbul. You mentioned Alex all the time, the very long taxi times in Amsterdam, which is also mm -hmm. very long. And the ones at Charles de Gaulle are pretty long too. But he, he was... That's an awesome story. Last time I departed from Istanbul in an A330, we were taxiing for about 15 to 20 minutes before the pilot went on the PA and announced that they had to now be taxiing for so long that they had to take a break to have the brakes cool down. Are you kidding? <laughs> so they had to park for about 10 minutes before they were allowed to enter That's the That's interesting runway. because some, I know that when that happens sometimes at places like Heathrow or there's been a quick turn, They'll still take off, but they'll just leave the landing gear extended for a little bit longer. It's quite unnerving to see, actually, when you, if you're driving on the M25 just to the west of Heathrow and you see a, like a big 380 or, or, or Dreamliner flying for a long time with its gear up after it's taken off, it's, it's actually, it's weirdly inelegant to <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, it is. But that's why they, that's why they do it. If they, and especially when it's a hot day outside or something like that, you saw it a lot over the summer. I don't know if they can do that with smaller airplanes. Perhaps that's the issue. We also have sometimes, what is the rule? We're all separated by what, six degrees of separation, whatever the rule is. And uh, probably because we're AV geeks, now we're separated by one degree of separation or two atop. There's this, uh, I think it's a he as well, Versace Luke's on Instagram. Listen to this, Alex. You remember we talked about the Delta plane that had this rough landing and it was like kind of tore down and whether or not it will come back into service. I mean, we know now because it's been quite a while that it has come back into service. But he wrote to us saying, my neighbor is a Delta mechanic and he's currently in the Azores fixing that 757s you guys spoke about. He says the repairs will take about three weeks to complete. It's amazing. We even have like live reporters on the ground who happen to know the... Delta repair mechanic was repairing the 757 that we mentioned in our stories. Guys, so thank you. That's cool. <laughs> but this is so amazing that Delta is actually repairing this thing because it really felt that the the entire the envelope of the, the aircraft was kind of pretty well twisted. Yeah, that, that yeah. I, I right? just, it really shows how robust that that airplane is. Absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't have survived this long and been so popular to even today. Even with talk of re-engineering and all of that stuff, 
if it wasn't a workhorse. And we all knew it was, but that just shows how just built exponentially more tough than it needed to be, Yeah, which is cool. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, on, on Facebook, Ryan Gardner actually talked about this and said, uh, he's a big Delta flyer. And he says, yeah, the Delta is fixing the 757. He says that because it's still under 25 years old, it's not a surprise. They invest a little bit of money to make that fully airworthy. He says, you know, I love what he says here. For a 737, 757, 767, or Mad Dog, under 20 years old is just barely getting broken in. <laughs> well, that, he's right. I mean, yeah, the Mad, yeah, the Mad yeah. Dog, I'm not so sure about. He's a fan of the Mad Dog, the MD-88s and the 90s, and uh, the Junior Mad Dogs, which is the 717s. Seven, I love that. And I had never heard that. The I had never heard that dog. either, actually. <laughs> That's very cool. He loves the sound of the engines and the get-it-done attitude that the Mad Dogs have. I find the MD-88s and especially the 90s to be some of the most comfortable aircraft to fly on, and I'll gladly take on one of those over a 737 new generation or A319 any day. Agreed. He used to work in a Delta ramp at Denver for a while, about 20 years ago, and it's still his favorite job. So, look, I mean, yeah, we also are fan of the Mad Dogs, but in Europe, we don't see them anymore. And we know that in the US, the last ones are Volatia being... Volatia in Spain, I think, may be the... But they're phasing them out really quickly if they haven't done it completely. Yeah. To yeah, the yeah. To 319, 320s. Cause, because you're right, Finnair used to use them. Iberia used to use them. I don't Brussels see Airlines used to use them, but no, no one else. I'm sure they they still exist somewhere else in other continents. Guys, if oh, you yeah. if you have MD something or the junior Mad Dog, but the junior Mad Dog, I think the seven the seven seventeen, seven one seven, whatever you want to call it, it was named like this because he you know the Magnol Douglas was acquired by Boeing right. the rename. This is a plane that is very popular, but there's very few that have ever been made. So I think it's probably only in the US and maybe in South America, but that's it. It's really rare to, to see. Yeah. Few. I think they were made in Long Beach, because that's where McDonnell Douglas was. You could up until very recently they used to make the C seventeen there as well. But I don't think they do any manufacturing there anymore. If you, I'm sure that there are people in Southern California who are in the know, but I, I think they they shut their production line pretty quickly. The other type of, obviously, uh, listeners we have to give us feedback are Delta fans. I mean, we have a lot of Delta fans that reach out to us. And obviously, the fact that you, Alex, were disappointed in your 350 economy, 350 to Amsterdam. Piccolo, I'm not sure how to pronounce, and Kane. Yeah, Piccolo and Kane. Piccolo and Kane, that's probably it. He says he's a Delta fan, and he can't say it's not typical with them. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the, interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard to, to, to say because uh, we will never probably fly Delta all the time uh, no. because simply of our miles. So uh, it will always be one-offs for us. So it's hard to say, will we, is it disappointing or not? But we I'd really like guys. to try them in a, in a premium cabin, I think. And I would imagine that as a, as a status holder on Delta, you are probably treated incredibly well. Yeah. That seems to be the case with a lot. Of, and with this, this kind of... 4D chess they did with the LATAM stake acquisition, forcing America wow, out and was, LATAM yeah. out of one world as a result. They're kind of creating with, with Virgin and a few others, this pretty robust global network. So maybe we will in the future travel Delta a lot more. Yeah, it's, uh, what's the name of the CEO of Delta? Anyway, the CEO said that 
the Sky Team is broken, doesn't work for us. Yeah, which is why they started. Did say that, didn't he? This is why they're looking at uh, building their own network. They already have Virgin disagreement with Virgin because they have a stake what forty nine percent, and uh, they just bought this Latam stake, which is a big thing, of course, because it kind of pushes out AA. And they really are looking into building a very ad hoc type of. They don't call it an alliance, but at the end of no. the day, if there's enough, it could be actually almost a proper alliance. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's a very interesting move. And it's true that when you think about the three big alliances, SkyTeam is a lesser one. I know that Delta is is very good within it, but I used to fly SkyTeam. As you know, guys, I was a SkyTeam Platinum, whatever the highest thing is, for a while, about 10 years ago. And it was a lot because I was flying a lot Air France, actually, living in Japan and then in the Philippines. But KLM for me was never something that I liked. I mean, the product is is okay, but I never was into the product. To be frank, there's nothing against the Dutch. Air France is on and off. They still have like you know, if you fly premium, they still have like non-all L access and some of their products. It's really that's not good. They have good links to Africa and South America, however. So, but if you look at when you compare always the three, if you look at the distribution where the networks are, etc., I always had the worst type of networks with SkyTeam. So, they, yeah, yeah, they seem to have built the whole alliance on just kind of general mediocrity. <laughs> and and I think the Delta outgrew that, right? And they just got frustrated. And I can see it. I think we both sort of slightly gasped when he came out and said, in no uncertain terms, how disappointed they were with their role in that alliance. And yeah. they felt like they were being dragged down. But he, I mean, he's right. Yeah, they haven't right. pulled out. They haven't pulled out. They're just saying they're building their own network, their own alliances. Again, they, they don't use the word alliance. They haven't pulled out of Sky Team. So for the moment, you still have all the, the benefits. Will they pull out at some point? Well, I'm sure that's not going to go down well with Air France and KLM, which are the big um, pillar of this alliance because they're they are left behind when yeah. you look at all the other big, you know, BA as AA and Cathay and, and Lufthansa, Singapore and United. So this, yeah, this could be a problem for, for SkyTeam. Well, we'll see. That's something in the next five years will move. I don't think we'll see the disappearance of SkyTeam, but maybe a reshuffle. Yeah, maybe. definitely. Yeah. Kyle Potter at KPotterMN on Twitter, also Delta fan, and he's correcting. This is the other thing we get. We get a lot of corrections. They're never meant negatively. That's always great to have AV Geeks correcting us. Alex, the 350 is not Delta's only plane with a premium economy, but it's also on many refurbs, uh, 777-200s, the new 330-900, and the incoming... 767-400 refurbs will also have a premium economy. It's still a small part of the fleet, but it's growing. That's what uh, Kyle is correcting you about. We're learning every day. Yeah. But again, we don't fly uh, Delta. And our, probably one of our biggest Delta uh, fan is Officer Wayfinder. <laughs> yeah. So Officer Wayfinder, I love you, man. He's sending us, like, I think after every episode, I have like four A4 pages of feedback. And oh, I know. I, he's, I, so, he's so generous. <laughs> it, it re- to take the time to do that it really is appreciated i can't obviously every time uh, comment on everything you send us because there's just no time and he says something about delta one thing that delta does really well is a totalitarian approach to standardizing its product across the entire fleet and that's up to you remember you said alex in your experience about delta that you were in a new aircraft, the 350, but you felt that the product was already old. And yeah. there, there was just, nothing remarkable about yeah. it. So and that, that's 
is that's his answer to, that. to it. Totalitarian approach to standardizing the product that they, they will make sure that it's everywhere the same. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's I agree. Good... I agree with you, Alex. Yeah, I don't think it's a good thing. I think you you, you can evolve you, it. You have to evolve it, and you use a platform as your you know your outlier or your or you know where you kick the the can down the road to, and everything else chases it. You know, BA have done that with the suite. It's on the 350, and it will gradually pull the whole fleet along with it. I mean, I can yeah. I can get it from an operations perspective, but that's why whenever I get on a Delta airplane, I don't feel anything. There's no ambition in the yeah. product. You know, it's, it's total standardization. And I don't <laughs> think that that's, from a customer or passenger experience perspective, I don't think that's anything they should be proud of. But from a dispatch reliability and logistics, being able to swap out a part from a, you know, such a gigantic fleet is I can see the, the usefulness, but I don't know. Yeah, the, the one thing I'll give to Delta for doing so is when you compare that with the huge range of differences that there is on AA United, you don't know what you're going to get. We mentioned it like ad nauseum. Well, let's not go there again, but they're like, you don't know what kind. There's like 20 different types yes. of 320s. And so you have to check the app to make sure what type of seat will have power, et cetera. So for that, yeah, I get that Delta has this more uniform philosophy about their product. Now, it shouldn't actually impede that pushing forward thing. If you look at Emirates, of course, very different types of product, but I've been flying Emirates in 2009, 10 years now, and the product hasn't changed that much. They've introduced a 380 since then, obviously, and they've iterated, but they've iterated. I can feel every time I get into an Emirates product that from the last time I've seen them, there's an evolution. The screen has changed, the seat, there's stuff this. So it's still uniform in a way that you recognize you're into Emirates, you know, the gold and the, the yeah. fake wood and whatever, which I'm not a, personally a fan of. But at least you have uniformity into the yeah. brand. You understand you're into an Emirates product. That's but it a didn't, really good point. You know, I I was doing like some kind of Marie Kondoing of my house and stuff. And I found like very old pajamas and very old amenity kits. And yeah, there's been a huge evolution into what they offered back in the day, which I've kept to, to now. But still, you can still see that it was Emirates. You see the lineage from then to here. Whereas when I was flying Delta from Narita to, where was it? Where did I fly to? Oh, Manila, Narita, did I do? I forgot. Yeah, but I mean in Asia, so a fifth film route. It was a good product, but I haven't felt it had iterated that much as when I used to fly them a lot because I used to when I was uh, Sky Team Platinum. Here, it's not a diss on Delta. It's still a very good product. It's just that they could be more daring without scratching the product or making a mess of it. Yeah, it seems American Airlines, uh, US Airlines, Play it rather safe from a product evolution standpoint. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, maybe JetBlue with the Mint product was was fairly fairly unique, but yeah, it's interesting. I think it. I think they need another challenger. They need, and maybe JetBlue is that challenger, but they do need someone to push them a little bit. Have you heard the rumor about Southwest wanting to acquire JetBlue? I had not heard that. I had not even heard a whisper of that. This is news to me. I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what's the weight, but it's an interesting. They say that Southwest is thinking about, in the long term, getting JetBlue as you know an acquisition to more premium part of the market, but that because 
of the max issue that Southwest has been underplaying for a while. They realize they might not get out of for a while. It might actually trigger an earlier look at JetBlue, not only for the premium market, but also to actually uh, start having on board new type of aircrafts, so Airbus. It's interesting. I don't know if, if there's any truth to that or just rumors or analysts going crazy, but that's an interesting one. It is I an think. interesting one. It obviously throws up a lot of questions about integration at every level. But when you go through a period of consolidation, which we have in the U.S., then there's always analysts, like you say, looking for you know theories and, well, this airline should acquire this airline or integrate with that airline. And then you would, you know, you would have a challenger. But, you know, Southwest have said that they're not scheduling the max until at least the end of February 2020. So you wow. can see how they must be thinking gosh, we need to do something and we need to do something quickly. Yeah, and we keep getting like bad news every week about that. There are the latest of these messages that were uncovered about, you know, basically Boeing lying, engineers lying to the FAA and stuff like it's really bad. It is I bad. Mean, uh, you know what? The one thing that disappoints me here is that for the longest time, I was thinking, okay, Boeing corporate didn't handle that well. They were fast tracking, so they shouldn't have, etc. But the engineers were on the good side of things, and, you know, and the corporate was kind of, pushing it badly. But it seems that some of the engineers were also kind of, you know, shading the truth. And uh, I don't know. I We don't know because we only have like tidbits and let's not put an entire judgment on Boeing. But uh, yeah, we said it many times. They have to look yeah. into themselves because uh, it's, this is not good. However, I think one of the trends we've seen in the past five years when we talk about airlines in the US is that probably five years ago, the only thing they were seemed to be doing is criticizing the Middle Eastern carriers and they were like unhappy, la, 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 la. It seems to me, however, that in the past, I cannot really date that, they started investing the product. They started having new types of Transcon products, of course, helped by the competition of JetBlue and others. But this seems to be a movement we've seen, we've been in lounges recently, you know, we have the AA flagship lounge yep. we mentioned last time, we'll mention later about your flight. There seemed to be a little bit of movement. The Officer Wayfinder mentions, for instance, that LAX, the airport I was at when I tried the with AA and then uh, the Nest, American Eagle, he said that AA is investing close to $1 billion to revamp their terminal in LAX and Delta close to Two billion to upgrade their terminal. So there is there are all the news about JFK having the new LaGuardia and the new TW hotel, of course, there and other plans. So let's still be not too negative about the US. It seems that there is a movement towards a better product overall, whether it's yes. terminals and airports or seats. It's going somewhere. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. It, it, it is. Slowly but surely. And I think you're yeah. right. I think that that pressure and that influence and the, the, the more global outlook has forced them. And that's good. They need that those challengers, whether they domestic or international, because the yeah. experience for, for decades even was lacking, massively yeah. lacking. The other thing we like, of course, you heard it, is food. And we always had looking for pizza, but this one is a different one. Uh, Joel Candia tells us that the Qantas Business Domestic Lounge at Brisbane Airport you have freshly made chicken tacos with salsa, corn chips, and pico de gallo. I saw that. Oh, man, I want to go to that lounge. <laughs> <laughs> We're really due to a visit to Australia. This, yeah. is, this, is, this is not okay. Uh, our friend, Glenn Afric Craig, of course, our brewer friend, yes. uh, says you can now buy BrewDog's BA First Class Brett IPA if you're an equity partner, equity punk, they call it, uh, yes. BrewDog. They, which he yeah, is did a big crowdfunding thing uh, yeah it's um 
it seems to be proving very popular. Yeah, so there you go. I've not been on first with BA, and the only time was this Moscow thing, and I didn't try that. So, yeah, I need to get on BA first again at some point to have, or to become an equity punk to uh, BrewDog. Another thing that we, we've done, and I know it's going to be a bit cheeky, we've inspired careers. We want to congratulate Elizabeth. Elizabeth has been also a long-time listener to our podcast. She used to live in the East Coast of the U.S., moved to London. And to make the story short, she actually now writes for The Points Guy, The Points Guy, the UK edition. Yeah. So congratulations. That's I, I so wouldn't cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, did we inspire you? No, of course, because you were already a Navy geek before. But it's so cool to have seen your evolution from uh, living in the US to coming here and now writing. So next, tell us what are the secrets of getting actually miles with credit cards here in the UK? Because neither Alex or me have actually unlocked that one. Not even close. And the last one, obviously, our most famous feedback, our most famous guest, because we always say we have guests, but we never have time to have guests, is Mark, now Dreamliner pilot at BA, who says something that I was completely unaware of. They are apparently a tradition of doing weddings at Stockholm, Arlanda. I had no idea about this either. What is this? Did you know about this? I had I had no idea. It was so nice of Mark to, to reach out and email us and mention this, this quirk or a tradition, if you will, that people go to Stockholm, Orlando to get married. Yeah, Mark, we'll have to get you back so you tell us about that. But guys, if you know about why are they weddings at Stockholm, Orlando? I mean, wow, uh, is it her side? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> the one thing that hasn't changed in the industry is uh, the famous sentence of uh, Sir Richard Branson, who you know, Alex, if you want to be a millionaire, start with a billion dollars and launch a new airline. We've seen our share of, uh, of airlines disappearing, of course. Actually, IATA just uh, downgraded its forecast for the airline industry for this year and the next because you know, they are words of a slowdown. Let's, let's yeah. not just call it a recession. Actually, The Economist had a fantastic... I don't know if you've seen this, man. They had a fantastic article about the profits in the airline industry. The entire industry for 2019 did $28 billion. Google, to have a point of comparison, did $30 billion on its own. So, you know, 28 wow. seems a lot. But, but the one that is very interesting is that since airlines are flying more than 4.5 billion passengers over a year... That's an average of just over $6 of profit per passenger. That's the airline industry. So basically, if you look at The Economist, which uh, tells you, you know, the famous Big Mac index, $6 is the price of a Big Mac in Switzerland. So there you go. That's one Big Mac per passenger. That's the kind of profit this industry makes. So when people think it's always uh, super cool and super glitzy, no, there's, no, the margins are super, super thin. Yeah, they really are. And talking about that, Thomas Cook, Thomas Cook just failed another failure in the in the UK, but that one was big. That was huge. Yeah, that was a big one. I think it it uh, beat Monarch as the biggest peacetime repatriation ever. Yeah, right? one hundred and fifty thousand people were repatriated. This is insane. By the way. Is there any other country in the world that does that, that organizes that everybody, like at the national level, I mean, at the government level, that everybody gets repatriated? It's insane. It is insane. And it's it's done so well. And, and clearly plans are in place for anything like that. I think it's part of, of this 
either ABTA, I think we said we were going to talk Atoll, about this. Atoll, ABTA. Air Travel Organizer License, which is basically, guys, you can opt in when you buy a flight here in the UK, which is some kind of insurance that, you know, in case there's a problem, actually yeah, ensures your repatriation. The only thing is that in this case, because it was so big, the government repatriated people, no matter if they had actually signed up for that or not. They just picked yeah. everyone back. They probably <laughs> looked at the numbers and logistics and thought it was going to be actually easier and cheaper in the end. But they said, though, that because it was such a big... The operation was called Matterhorn, like the mountain in Switzerland. It was so big that it basically wiped out the entire budget of Atoll. That, so, just, you know, every time you pay for it, if you're not using it, it goes into, like, you know, war chest if you want, and there's no more money. So if there's another company that files for bankruptcy, an airline, then they don't know what they're going to do. So the taxpayers, of course, will end up paying. But at the end of the day, there is a strong rumor that they will implement another levy in our plane tickets to... <laughs> not, it's not like we don't have enough already in this country. Yeah. But, you know, this entire operation I read in the paper yesterday cost half a billion pounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 150,000 people from all around the world, and they had to, you know, get Titan and all these very famous uh, turnkey airlines that just yeah. do this well, for a living. Did, or... there, was, there was a couple of Malaysia 380s that were doing turns yeah. to, like, Tenerife and, you know, and Marbella and places like that. They were just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with as many people as they could. It was like the, the Hajj flights during the pilgrimage, and uh, the same thing. There's all these wet leased very large airplanes to bring all these people to where they need to go. It's, it's, I mean, fa it's fascinating. It's, fa it's it I'm just sad it was under such sad circumstances. Yeah. Actually, I know quite a lot of people working in the travel industry that uh, hired many of the Thomas Cook uh, crews and staff that were out of a job. So that's, uh, yeah, it's always sad to have, especially this comp Thomas Cook, guys, it's one of these, like a more than 100 years old. It's a big, integrated but maybe this maybe it's just a sign that it's the end of these massively integrated travel companies yeah. and now people are just booking on you know they go on skyscanner they don't use travel agents anymore i don't know anyway but uh, but in terms of the pure logistic to organize that it's crazy the one change that will happen next time is planes because you just talked about this malaysian 380 planes belonging to the insolvent airline will be able to continue flying and bring holidaymakers home under a new regulation that is being introduced by the government. My question is, yeah, okay, so they say, let's say, the Thomas Cook, uh, whatever, 321, can fly back, even though the license is revoked because the, the airline has gone bankrupt. What about the crew? So do they force them... They're I not being I was thinking paid about anymore. That too. I mean, what what happens in circumstances like this is that the lesser will impound the airplane exactly. where, where it sits, at, no matter what airport it's it's at. I think what the, this bill or proposal does is say to those lessers, "You're going to get paid. We just need to make sure that the airplanes can then bring all these people back because, in the end, that benefits everybody." I had the same question that you had: Is it existing crews or do they have? a roster of crews that can go uh, yeah. and fly these airplanes home? I, I don't know. It's a good question. 
I don't know. I don't know either. And at the end of the day, the lesser will be wanted to get paid if yeah. the government uses their plane to. So I, yeah, it's still going to be expensive. I, I hope in the next five years we won't have to do these kind of or more, yeah, more, more of these uh, bankruptcies. Um, I know that you love influencers, Alex. Obviously, that's something that has been so prevalent in the past five years of this podcast. I'm kidding. Obviously, we have a, not a lot of love. Let's put it that way for uh, for this. Have you seen the story of that uh, women influencer? who attempted to get upgraded to business class on Cathay Pacific. So she went to, I think, the ticketing counter or the gate, I forgot, doesn't matter, details. And she showed a, an email and said, here, because I'm an influencer, Cathay Pacific is granting me an upgrade for business class. Only that she forged the email. So it was a, was a fake. So she never had anything to do with Cathay Pacific. And now she's banned for life by Cathay Pacific. Good, exactly. Bravo, bravo, Cathay Pacific. What a, what a, oh, the audacity of these people is sickening. Ex exactly, Ab absolutely. So yeah, influencers are no heroes, but we had our share of heroes while recording this. And one, yep. whom we hadn't mentioned before we were not recording, is uh, that uh, new miracle on the Hudson that Aral Airlines that did an emergency landing this past summer. And the captain, Damir, I think his first name was... I love how, of course, first he was able to land this uh, bird after a bird strike, actually. Yeah, and double bird strike, yep. Land, nobody's hurt, but he goes out of the cockpit. This is a, like a movie scene. He goes out of the cockpit, makes sure that everybody's out, everything okay, goes back into the cockpit and calls his wife to say everything is fine. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that we've been desensitized to, to miracles like this. I you know, I shouldn't perhaps use that word miracle, but that's how it's been framed. That yeah. we're like, ah, it's been done. <laughs> but again, what a what an extraordinary demonstration of airmanship yeah. and from crew Fantastic. safety for the cabin crew for getting everybody off in a volatile situation, of course. And another amazing pilot. I mean, we know all, a lot of pilots are amazing. Uh, you probably read that, Alex. Maybe some of you guys have, but I love the story. Going on holidays, EasyJet, I think it's Gatwick, suddenly the flight is about to get canceled because they're missing a pilot. The guy is with his kids, I think, calls EasyJet, says, hey, I'm about to take that plane. I have my pilot's license with me. Can you put me? And EasyJet's like, uh, we're not sure. Exactly 25 seconds later, EasyJet calls him back. Yeah, yeah, can you actually pilot the plane, please? <laughs> and the image of him in denims and a t-shirt announcing to everyone that hey because i'm here i'm gonna fly that plane for you and i'm sorry i don't have my shirt on it's awesome it was <laughs> such a great video and he did it with such humor and, and grace and he never he never made easyjet sound negative in any no. way at all i mean well, the contrary exactly it's like you know we 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 didn't we didn't we're not bending or breaking any rules here in fact we're going above and beyond to to make sure that we're following protocol here but you know, let's, I'm here. let's do this. Uh, <laughs> something similar, although not quite as kind of heroic and Hollywood worthy as this happened on a very recent trip I did. I was flying to Lisbon what? on BA. What happened? Yeah. What? Well, I was sat in the lounge, the excellent BA lounge at Gatwick. And you know how on the Gatwick uh, FID screens, it says gate announced at X. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it then posted a delay and I, the app confirmed it and TripIt and all of the other 8 million apps that I have started going crazy. <laughs> so I waited and then actually it did post the gate. So we all went down there, but there was not a soul anywhere. The gate was rammed full of people. The whole flight was there, but no, there were no BA officials or anything. And eventually the two gate agents arrived and the captain 
And the captain picked up the PA and said, hey, everybody, I'm your captain. I'm, I'm really sorry about this, but our first officer has, has called in sick. He's, he's very, very unwell, and there's no way that it would, it would have been a safety issue. So we're scrambling to find a person to do this. I'm hoping that we won't be too late, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every 10 minutes, he came and gave us an update, like personally. He said, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the, the, the progress of the, of the person as they make their way f- you know, from their house to the airport and then through the airport, telling us that the flight time is actually pretty good, so we really oughtn't to be too delayed. And by the third, he got a, a, a sustained round of applause because he was being so personal about it and giving us wow. so much information. And then when we got on board and the first officer heard arrived, he came again at what this the EasyJet pilot did and and stood in the front of the cabin as rather as opposed to addressing us from the cockpit and said, Thanks so much. Listen, um a round of water and biscuits is on us. It's coming around the the cabin now and the flight attendants came through with a box of biscuits that they'd actually called catering and said, can you get, can you bring us a box of biscuits? So he went, and it was such a silly, small gesture, but again, another round of applause. We ended up being like 11 minutes late, ultimately. <laughs> That's it. But it was just such a nice thing to do. And yeah. a necessary, one update would have been fine. And one apology as we got on our way. But he, I was so impressed. It was such a small thing, but it made such a big impact. It does. I mean, I had different stories, which I'll tell in a forthcoming episode, but there was like many times when I got either delayed or flight canceled. And the fact that at the gate on all these occasions, the captain came directly and addressed the entire gate personnel and people and not just another message from that gate staff, very nice gate staff, but there was this personalization of the messages in taking ownership of the problem that changes the dynamic of how you perceive that problem. And that was- Absolutely. And I, it was different airlines, by the way. So it was, once was BA, another time was, uh, what was it? Was it Swiss? Yeah, Swiss, I'll come to that, you know, again, a forthcoming episode. But it's really, I love that uh, personalization. The, the Qatar flight, I mentioned, I think the last episode when it was also, they had a problem with the engine. The French pilot came out at some point. It also addressed, it's harder to do on a, a large aircraft because not everybody can see him or her, but it, uh, yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. It's, uh, sure. yeah, so I, I don't have sadly a, a license to fly you guys if ever a plane is delayed. Maybe Alex could have flown that BA fly to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly. Mm, yeah. The other thing that we you guys have seen a thread about in the past five years is the fact that we we love Japan, obviously, both of us. And we talk about Japanese airlines a lot because they have their own quirks and things that make them cute. And I say that with a lot of positivity. This, of course, was all over the news last week. Japan Airlines that has introduced a feature of, on its seat booking system that shows where young children are seated. This is an icon. You can have like, this is a free seat. This is a busy seat, but there's an icon and I think is like a little face of a kid. What do you think about it? Do you think, think it's, it's a good fantastic idea? Do you idea. Think it's... I think it is the is an excellent solution. I mean, people, you almost invariably, people without children suggest that we have children-free flights or children-free uh, cabins, which is, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But this is a very, very elegant solution. I think it's only for lap infants so two and under and frankly those are the kids that are 
uh, the most volatile and unpredictable, and their noise to weight ratio is the highest of any human being. <laughs> I love so, the noise to weight ratio. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I have one myself. Uh, <laughs> and I also have two kids that fall outside of that. But oh my uh, god! For me, as a as a solo traveler, and as a, with, with flying with the kids, having that piece of information is is very helpful. And it's not it's not pitched in any negative way or anything yeah. like that it's such how it's taken us to 2019 for somebody to come up with that idea is staggering but it's such a good idea well i fully agree with what you just said this is why we do this podcast together i don't need to add anything to what alex just said it's just perfect <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we've done our share of very very long flights do you know do you think you know which one was the longest flight you've done in the past five years whether it's Time-wise or miles-wise? Um, I think the longest I've done still is London to Singapore, which isn't massively yeah. long, but it is pretty long. Me, probably the AA Hong Kong, uh, sorry, the other way around, Dallas to Hong Kong, probably in miles, it's the longest, I'm not sure. Um, Qantas, you know, that's also been something yeah. they've been announcing, re-announcing their project Sunrise. So they finally started these, uh, they, I think they have three flights where they have only 50 people. It's a brand new Dreamliner, uh, Dash 9, if I think, because you even call it Flight 7879. This, this is, by the way, very cute. And um, there was a direct flight from Sydney to New York. Oh, no, New York to Sydney. I think the New York to Sydney. I'm not exactly sure anyway. And for 19 hours or whatever, they had food that was Especially made, they had exercise. That was a bit funny. They had exercises in the flight, so you can see people doing exercise on, on business class seats. Because basically, for fifty people, everybody was in business class. Obviously, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I say I don't know because I'm on the fence about this. I mean, of course, it's great to have like some studies and to see how people are behaving because there were apparently some doctors or at least therapists or whatever, and they tried some lighter food and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. On the other end. Well, there exist flights that are not that much shorter when you think about, of course, Newark to Singapore, it's 18 hours, and they didn't go like do all these research. I I'm wondering how much of a PR thing it is. Yeah, I a know that, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy that founded Skift was incredulous about this. Oh. Uh, he thought it was a massive, was it, I think it was him, a massive PR thing. And he made the point that you made, which was, there are flights which are within 45 minutes of this in duration that happen pretty much every day. And that the sort of all of the stuff that Qantas did, the monitoring, which I think I agree with you is important. Yeah, it is. But some of the stuff may have been a little bit OTT. But my wife and I were talking about this. And if you imagine, like, if you get eight hours of sleep on this flight, which is rare on an airplane, you still have 11 hours to go. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'd rather stop. I'd rather stop yeah, for, for yeah, even... maybe. You know, seven or eight hours, stretch my legs. and LAX, in and out, and then you continue. Yeah, I just, there are rare circumstances where a flight like that would be useful to me. And the rest, I think, sounds like torture. I'd rather spend the money on figuring out how we can do, you know, low Earth orbit trajectory flights and... Yeah, um, electric planes and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I electric planes, absolutely, all that yeah, stuff. This, biofuels this and, yeah, me too. I mean... I mean, I, I get it because they want to have, you know, Qantas wants to have their routes to London and to New York. It will happen. Both Airbus and Boeing are preparing their aircraft for it. Probably it's going to be the 350, 1000 or the 787, 10, 10 but 
like you know uh, both like kind of transform whatever they both have by the way unlike uh, Singapore Qantas already said they will have economy they say with a more leg room well I hope so because for 19 hours but unlike, unlike you uh, besides the novelty and probably the price as well because if you look at the price of going from London to Perth it's super expensive it's way less expensive for me to do that with any of the Middle Eastern carriers or even Singapore Airlines than to do a direct with Qantas yeah you know I'm, I'm doing the flight that I hinted at earlier New York Frankfurt Frankfurt Singapore I'm stopping thank God because otherwise the entire trip is like 23 hours Oof. and I it's only an hour and 40 minutes on the ground in, in Frankfurt. No matter what happens in Frankfurt, if I have to go through security and through that tunnel, I'll be happy to walk a little bit, to yes. be honest, and to see or maybe something. Or sprint, exactly. Well, I'd probably like to end up sprinting. So, yeah, besides the novelty, you know, like you said, it was not as prevalent in the flight I did from Dallas to Hong Kong, but when I did Incheon to JFK, which is like 14 hours, I don't remember exactly, 13. Yeah, I slept six, seven hours, so I slept well. And like you said, I wake up and I'm like, I still have six, seven hours to go. And I'm like, yeah. when I'm, and you watch one movie, a second movie, and you're bored to death and you work a yeah. little bit. And well, it's, yeah, no. I understand the use case for some business people probably, but I'd rather stop, to be honest, like you. So, um, Five years ago, there was still a Virgin America. It's uh, not there anymore. Sorry to, to knife you right there, Alex. But incredibly, you're, you're, you're crazy because you just flew Alaska. You, were, you went from San Francisco to Seattle this summer when you were with your family. Yep. You did a back and forth with Alaska. What the hell is wrong with you, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it, I had to be bigger than my ego on this one because ah. it was, it was uh, the right times and all of that for the, to getting the family up to Seattle. How was is, how is that? How was Alaska? Come on. Again, I mean, I've, I've said this before in the, on, the, on the show. I just, they are just so bland and mediocre. They're not bad. They're not bad. It's very important to, to say that. They're not bad. It's just so bland. They've taken both of the planes up and down were ex-Virgin America airplanes. It's yeah. very easy to tell, A, because they're Airbuses, but B, because they have the, the VA at the end of the registration. Yeah. And they've been refurbed or defurbed, and there's this. The seats are fine, but the IFE is is lacks any of the punch that it had. The service is nothing. Although you know that's I think on a, happens on a lot of U.S. domestic routes as well. On the way back, it was a month old 321 E tops Neo that I think they'll use on their Hawaiian routes. Okay. So you've got that beautiful, I don't know what they call it, the, you know, the fan blades have got that incredible shape. It's almost like a zigzag, slight zigzag, like a scimitar almost. Really, really beautiful, big, big light airplane, very, very quiet because it's got those new leap engines in it. But the, again, the service is just so dull and the IFE is so, ineff- I, and I'm trying not to be biased here. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> over it now because yeah, yeah. You know, we, we built something, it's dead, it's been dead for a while. But I don't get the fanboys other than maybe consistency and blandness. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, you have fanboys of Levi's 501, even though this is an old design now. So meaning yeah. the people that just love something that, you know... I never iron my denims and people iron the old denims and they want them to be straight. And sorry, because some of the guys are like, oh, you're so European with your denims. But I, what I mean here is that some people like maybe a they sense like that. of comfort. Oh, I know. There are a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, I, I, you know, the whole experience, Seattle Airport is not a good airport. Having to be bussed out to a flight of that size 
on a trunk route like Seattle, San Francisco. It just, um, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I had to, I had my daughter by myself and then my wife had our two boys yep. just for legit on the bus and everything. And yep. I had the buggy and everything as well. And the people that helped me were my fellow passengers, not, I didn't need help, but they were the ones who came forward and like three or four people like, Hey, you need any help and getting upstairs and everything like that. It wasn't Alaska staff. Okay. They were, they were utterly in, indifferent. I don't know. There's something frustrating about that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to do that again next year, when you're back to your summer home, would you use Alaska again? Or was it just a price thing? And you said, okay, well, it was a, it was a t scheduling and a price thing. And I like T2 at SFO. So that was, okay. uh, I looked at American that they hardly, their West coast operation is very small. I looked at a few others, Delta and a, and a few others just, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, I'm not loyal to any U.S. airline other than American, and that's only because of my BA Gold status. Yeah, when I'm traveling domestically, I, I probably would. It wasn't a bad experience. Again, important to say it was not bad. Yeah, at all. no, no, I get it. No, that's that's why the analogy I was using is it's not bad. It's maybe uh, beige, beige. Yeah, yeah. I just they took away everything that was good about Virgin America when really they should have at least taken some inspiration from it. So how does that compare with your the flights you did afterwards? So you, you, I know you went back from with your family to London because you're back living in in the UK. BA, what yes. do you remember? What what was it like a BA out of seven? SFO on, on a three eighty in the oh, end nice. because we my wife was really sick and we had to move our flight, which was then cancelled. So they moved us over to San Francisco. None of which mattered. BA handled it really well. Uh, we were on the upper deck of a three eighty, which is. It's fine. It's it's ah, it's love. comfortable. Super smooth. Yeah, yeah. Smooth, and it's two, so I could I uh, or or three, sorry, so I could sit with my my sons and uh, my daughter was at the bulkhead with my wife, and then we kind of switched. Yeah, we were in that. I that BA have a a cabin on the upper deck of the three eighty, an economy cabin, which is small. I think it's maybe only nine rows. Okay, so it's dark and it's quiet. You're served separately from everybody else so there's no yeah. danger of running out it was fine it was bar in economy on long haul almost invariably good especially with the kids and how does that compare with your baller flight that you just afterwards because so you came back and a few days a week later you were doing you were going to mexico i think once because you hinted at in, in the previous episode the first one on the way there via dallas yep. and on the way back i think via miami yep. but i know you were flying first so that is what i want to know so you flew first with american airlines how was that man tell really me. really good yes i flew london to dallas on a triple seven three hundred with with american and first and it was really good Really so good. Is it, is it worth it? Because I've, you know, guys, I mentioned this long flight I did. I was in business. I saw these first seats. How are they? Uh, talk to me about the seats before you talk about the service. Is it yeah, something yeah. cool or? It, uh, <sighs> it's it's nothing. It's no. It's no Emirates. It's no. Yeah, uh, well, of course, you know, Qatar or anything like that. But it was really cool when you looked at the seat when you arrived at it. It was a it was a big sort of armchair with a seat in front of you. Quite similar to BA's new first class on the 380, but a lot less sort of, what's the word, like Shiny. utilitarian. Oh. You know, we've, we've sort of criticized slightly ANA's old business for yeah. being very sort of plastic yeah. and metal. 
it was much less like that. Big white seat, big, big screen, and then the little screen next to you. But the feature that I really loved was that, and it took me a, a second to figure it out. I was like, my seat's broken. I can twist in my seat. Does it swivel? Yes. So you press this button and you swivel. So you're literally facing the window and a, and there's a desk with power. You know, this desk folds out and you can put your laptop on it and you can work with your laptop there wow. looking out the windows. That's awesome. So you've got three or four windows and you could probably eat like that too. And then when you want to put your uh, watch TV, you swivel back and then you can recline to all of the to sort of unlimited oh, angles. So when you swivel into kind of desk mode, this is more like you cannot a really recline. Chair. It's like a desk chair. Yeah. It, yeah. Wow. And it oh, was because so I cool. saw that. I, I thought I saw it. With, I was like, is that swiveling? Because the only swivel a seat I ever had was Qantas first class, a, a super sofa and it swivels. But not, wow, this is so cool, actually. It oh, was wow. so neat. And I, I would, like, wow. it was a day flight. Here's the rub, though. Because it was a day flight, about five hours in, all the shades were lowered because that's the what happens. And I felt like a little bit of a dick for opening it. So I thought, I won't use this to its potential. But can you imagine on like a dusk or a dawn flight? Being able to just sit there, if you're especially if you're jet lagging or it's you know your northern hemisphere during the winter, and you're able to work, and you know you're seeing the lights below and the stars. Of I I, I w- thought it was such a great idea and such a great product. And how is the food and service? Food was excellent, not fussy, but but very nice. The service was very attentive, so they were constantly checking on me because I didn't have the second meal, I don't think, but not not fawning, not over like, you know, American, have a nice day. It was reserved, but attentive. There was always somebody there. Nothing lingered on my table for too long after I'd finished with it. Good. Yeah, it was good. I mean, of course, again, nothing like a Cathay or Singapore Airlines, but but not far off and certainly better than BA. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So I need to try that. You know, guys, I told you I wanted to see whether or not I could get upgraded. It was possible, but it was, I thought, too expensive for me to actually go for I it. Will, but I, mean, go I will say this because I was thinking that pretty much the whole flight. I got a killer deal because of the routing. If you... Pro tip, if you book an American first and a BA first on a 747 back, so the an old product. This is what you did, the, right? The you price, had a- yeah, gets dragged down by that BA product. Uh-huh. So it makes it much more accessible. And of course, on, B, on American, it's much easier to mix cabins. So you could do a economy yep. out first back. But I was thinking there was no freaking way that i would have paid rack rate for this product yeah or any other first other than perhaps singapore or emirates there's no freaking way i would have paid i don't i don't think i've ever paid because they were not uh unless you know a a few clients in the past have paid but because it was last minute flights and he ended up being you know strangely almost equivalent to business class or whatever but yeah yeah, i'm just saying but i I, did you did you Buy on AA or on BA then? Not AA. AA. AA uh, is really good at showing, yeah. allowing you to mix those fares and seeing what the price will be. Like it'll show all the flights after you've selected the first leg and then you can see how that will affect the the fare on the return. And you that's when you, you spot these incredible first fares. So was was the return with, uh, which you did via Miami, was the return with the 747 by BA, was it disappointing? In it was comparison? awful. <laughs> 
it was it was it was bad. No, way. it was really, really bad. Yeah, because I did I did American wow. from Dallas to Mexico, Mexico to Miami. One in economy and one in oh, so you mixed economy. first economy. First, an economy we're able to mix on. Yep. on oh a, yeah, wow. no problem. Holy cow! Wow. No problem. Okay. Wow. Okay. But it was a old BA seven forty seven, and of course, I love flying on the seven forty seven. But it was the unrefurbished, so the old, old Rockwell Collins IFE, and that was that is what it is. It, I was going to sleep. I was exhausted, so it wasn't a big deal at all. But the service was appalling. Just oh. Really, it was like I would expect it at a at a mall department store. Oh, it was not good at oh, all. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. They weren't rude. Of course, they weren't rude. They were just. It was just so ineffectual and not interested or not interested. Not uh, a first class experience. The wow. food was disgusting. Oh my god! Yeah, what? absolutely disgusting. The uh, what? I had a dish that came with. Like diced potatoes or something, and root, or root vegetables, and they were nearly raw. That's like not. They were that's like, not acceptable. It was so bad. <laughs> oh my god! And people it, were there, like they were they were going on honeymoon to come back from honeymoon. No I felt, way! I felt so bad for them because it was not good. No, that's that's all. that's completely unfair. Hey, you're right because Miami, a lot of people would transfer there to go to like honeymoon destinations or cruises exactly. or you know the islands in the caribbeans and stuff like that and so they would maybe it's a trip of a lifetime for them this is not okay it was oh it was not good the the amenity kits were weak i just ah. it's funny because my brother's trying to go trying to use an amex two for one voucher at the moment and he wants to go on the 350 to somewhere in the middle east and he's like we want to go in first so i'm like i'll tell you what the no. ba business class suite the new one on the yeah. 350 is way better than the yeah first. I'll, I'll, honestly the service will be better too I'll, i'll comment on that when we probably next episode or in two episodes honestly having done that it's not first of course it's business But since they haven't actually refurbished first yet, at least it's the one we know. I, I, the differential is why would you go to the first class? I mean, it yeah. was a very, very good uh, Jay, a very, very good sorry business class. Um, since we have a few more minutes because Alex has to go, um, how were your experiences since you were in first in the lounges? Did you were you able to experience the flagship lounge at either Dallas or Miami? I think you mentioned you did one. I don't remember which. Yeah, one. I did. I feel like I live in Miami now. I was. <laughs> I had a long layover between. I think I arrived at like. 10 a.m. and left at 5 or 6 p.m. So I know that terminal really well in the Miami flagship lounge, which is very good. The people there, especially at the service desks, they've they've helped me out on so many occasions. Wow. Dallas, we had to wait about half an hour for a gate after we landed from Heathrow. How? So This is one of the biggest... I know, it's such a monstrous oh, airport. Oh, oh. I think oh, well. just the, the flight that we were supposed to be on was delayed. Yeah. And then Dallas, we, we should talk about this at the we'll, next we'll, time. We'll do, we'll do an episode about Dallas, yeah. yeah. Because I use the um, passport app, the US immigration passport app. I think you mentioned it, yeah, it was, yeah, but it was Sorry. a disaster, yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do the... the but, I so did go into it. But it was, uh, and it was good. It's light and airy, but I don't, I think the Miami one's better, frankly. So, and the Miami one, you did the food. Yes. Uh, the first dining. So tell me oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Thank you for reminding me. I did the first dining, which I'd never, because you have to be traveling in first, I think. You As can't you just yeah. go in there. Yeah. It was excellent. The It was restaurant quality food. The service was outstanding. I was so impressed. There was a professional chef sat in the booth behind me. 
Oh, wow. who was just traveling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And he and he was. How do you know it was a chef? Did you just talk? Because to him? I overheard the conversation. Oh. Because the lady came up to him and said, "The chefs are very excited that you're here." Oh, <laughs> and he said, "He said the food was excellent." He's like, "They were, they were, also, they were also very excited that you were here, Alex." Yeah, of course. Sure. I mean, that that goes without saying. <laughs> um, the uh, he was very complimentary about the service to the the waitress. I'm sure there's a more elegant term for that, but he was like, "You were really, really good. The food was good." He's like, "This particular dish, I don't know what he had. I was trying to like look on the menu." Uh, he's like, "It needed a little bit of something." And he wasn't he wasn't being critical. He was just saying it was so good. If it were me, I would do probably do something like this. But please tell the the chefs how much I appreciated my experience here. It really was that good. The wine list was unreal. I didn't partake, but I I recognized it was a very good wine list. It was fun. Oh wow! Oh, actually, the pro tip is right there. If you know you're going to fly first class with BA on an old seven four seven, then eat at the first dining, and then you can just sleep in the in the exactly. plane back home. That was and kind of my strategy. Well. Yeah. Wow. I'm very jealous. I need to, to do that. So there you go, guys. Uh, almost the end of this episode. So I'm gonna just finish because I mean, there's no real point to talk about London airports here. You hear about them all the time. I've asked earlier what is uh, Alex's favorite. I think I still love Heathrow, but especially Terminal Two. Uh, terminal Five is fine. Yeah, I don't know. You know, these airports are what they are. I hope that one day we'll actually have a high-speed train between all those oh uh, those, those airports yes. to actually make a true network because that's the thing that doesn't work. But so maybe to cap this uh, centenary episode, centenary, we're not 100 years old like a KLM, happy birthday KLM, or BA when, you know, they add all the XBA, all the X airlines yeah. together. Uh, maybe um, what would be one wish you'd have for... Was there something you really liked the industry to be, or uh, is there like one flight you really want to do that you've never done, or I don't know, one cabin that you were really like, oh, I would love to do that? I'm still very, very excited to try the new Emirates first with those <laughs> those too, HD man. camera windows. I, I really, really want to do that. Same. Yeah, same. I might have a shot at the end of the year, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I mean, you hear us, guys. We we're still like kids when we enter our flights. We're still like kids when we test these seats. We're sometimes, and we'll admit it very easily, we're sometimes very lucky. Whether because there's miles, clients, good fares, it could be, and we get to try this stuff. And I always think that this is going to all end tomorrow. So every time I have got a chance to get to get one of these seats, I, I and I will have a very baller flight. I'll tell you about it. Uh, yeah, you heard excited to hear. the Singapore, and there will be some cafe in there as well, and it's uh, all miles and whatever. But that's going to be very tiring. But very cool. And uh, so that will be one of the next slides. We don't know what we're going to record next. But yeah, I think the other wish I would say for me and for us, we mentioned it earlier in the show is, yeah, that the industry goes a little bit more... That there's a breakthrough, maybe electrical print, I don't know, because to be yeah. frank, I will admit that I'm starting to... And I know it's Generation Greta and I'm starting to get a little bit troubled by the fact that all the carbon emissions that we're doing, all these flights we're doing, and this is really cool that we're doing all this and we really love it and we love the service and we're all talking about it and whatever, but there's something in the back of my head that stays there all the time. Uh, me too, me and too. I, and, I really, and I really, really want that we, we find ways, whether it's stopgap with biofuel source or something that makes it uh, more reasonable for the planets to fly all this, because uh, this is one of the reasons I decided to fly less, but I still fly a lot. So I really want the industry to, someone, yeah. some 
genius somewhere like uh, in India, China, the US or I don't know where some some young kid comes up with an idea and how to create a new type of battery that makes this fly and so that we don't have to to think about it too much because uh, we are guilty of, uh, are. Of, of that. So next flights for you? What is that? Um, I'm going to Copenhagen with my sons in a couple of days. So nice. Legoland. Yeah. Legoland yeah. will it be, I'm sure. So if you go to Copenhagen, you will see in the middle of the city, Alex with his two boys building a huge 747 with Lego bricks. This is yep. this is your challenge. Come say hi. <laughs> As for me, that trip, there will be uh, New York, Singapore, Hong Kong, other stuff. But we'll talk about it next time. But we're still, as you can see, on a time shift type of episodes. We have other flights we've taken since. So we'll see when we record next. Maybe in three weeks, maybe in two months. But I hope it's going to be before. <laughs> Happy travels and thank you guys again for listening to us and bearing with us all this time. I can't, I can't top that. It's so true. Thanks, guys. Safe travels. (laughs) 